I have to put you on to Armoire, the convenient solution to effortless, fresh, and stylish dressing. With an Armoire membership, you can curate the perfect wardrobe with high-quality, unique brands tailored specifically to your taste. Simply take a five-minute style quiz, select items from your personalized closet, then your chosen styles arrive at your doorstep in as little as two days. When it's time for a wardrobe refresh, just swap out your current pieces for new-to-you styles. I go from professional to the carpool pickup line, so I need a diverse wardrobe. With Armoire, I always have something fresh and on-trend for any occasion, without the clutter. I recently edited my wardrobe to staple pieces only because Armoire allows me to add new pieces monthly and return them just in time for me to do it all over again. And by renting, rather than constantly buying new clothes, I'm contributing to sustainability. Armoire is currently helping me through my chic era with all the high fashion and edgy options that I am loving. And the empowering aspect of supporting a women-founded and women-led business is so cool. With their personalized styling suggestions and diverse designer offerings, Armoire has helped me define and refine my personal style, even as trends evolve and my body changes. Whether it's a date night, a professional event, a formal affair, or just a trip to the grocery store, Armoire ensures that I am always dressed to impress effortlessly. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash murderish. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash murderish to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Serial Streamers. I'm glad you're here. And if you don't know what Serial Streamers is, it is the true crime TV club that you probably need in your life. If you are out there binging all the true crime documentaries about fraud, scammers, cults, you name it, that's what Serial Streamers is. It is a virtual TV club where we're all out there binging these documentaries together. And then we come back to my social media comments on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, and we talk about it because not everybody has somebody in their life who wants to really hear them talk about all these documentaries. Maybe they're not as into true crime as they are. Um, so you've got a community here of serial streamers ready to talk about these documentaries with you. So if you aren't already following me on social media, do so. If you want to join the club, I'm at Jamie on air on all platforms, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. And while you're at it, make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel. All right, you guys, let's get into it. As always, we're going to be talking about some sensitive topics off the top of my head with this one, child abuse very serious, as well as neglect, just trigger warning and take care of yourself before listening. Okay, let's get into it. I have a lot to say about this documentary. I know I say that every single time, but I really mean it this time. And the documentary that we are covering is season two of the Natalia Grace story, and that is called Natalia Speaks. It just came out in January of this year, 2024. I just watched it on Max. 
I watched season one quite a few months ago. I think that one was called The Curious Case of Natalia Grace. I'm sure you all have watched it already. It's wild. And I know because of my social media comments that you all have a lot to say about that one. Well, now we have Natalia's side of the story because season two just came out. Natalia Speaks. I binged it. And we did learn, I think, some new things, but I don't know. We'll, we'll get into it. But before we do, I think it's a good idea for me to do a really quick recap of season one. Okay. So essentially in a nutshell, season one of the Natalia Grace story kind of starts in 2010 when six-year-old Ukrainian child by the name of Natalia Grace was adopted by a married couple by the name of Michael and Christine Barnett. And nobody likes them, including myself. We'll get into it though. Um, they adopted them in, in the U.S. And so now Natalia is living in the U.S. with Michael and Christine Barnett. And Natalia has a form of dwarfism. Now I'm going to attempt to say this and it's going to be wrong, but I believe it's pronounced something like spondylopezial dysplasia, uh, dysplasia congenita. It's a form of dwarfism. So, um, her, you know, her hands, her feet, her height is, is affected. She has a lot of medical issues, has to go through a lot of surgeries. You know, she finds it hard to walk sometimes, especially upstairs. And, um, the Barnett's Michael and Christine, when they adopted Natalia from an adoption agency, I forgot where Indiana, maybe they already had three sons, an older son named Jake. I, the, the younger son's names are escaping me, but Jake is a mathematical genius. And at the time they adopted Natalia, Christine in particular, but I'm just going to say the Barnett's were profiting off of Jacob's genius. In fact, Christine the way they describe it in both documentaries, season one and season two, she was all about that money. And she was all about monetizing off her children, especially Jake, because he was a mathematical genius. She even wrote a book called The Spark and she went on like a book tour and made a bunch of money. I think she got a $200,000 advance, none of which Jacob ever saw, which we're going to talk about that a little bit more as we get into it. But soon after Michael and Christine adopt Natalia, the trouble starts. Basically, they're starting to accuse Natalia of hiding knives around the house, trying to poison Christine's uh, coffee, doing nefarious things when it came to their other three sons, like taking their favorite toys and dropping them in the middle of the road so that a car would run them over. Mind you, Natalia was like six or seven years old at this time. And they're trying to convince us that she's just this diabolical child that knows how to make these plans to murder her entire adoptive family, or at least bring them, you know, immense harm. I just remember watching season one. I didn't buy it. I did not buy it. None of it added up. And again, we're going to get more into that, but I just completely left season one despising Christine and Michael Barnett. And in season one, we see a lot of really eerie cell phone footage that's taken by Christine and it's of Natalia being in constant trouble. Like she makes her face the wall and put her nose to the wall and just stand there. And again, she is a child with severe disabilities and it is probably a lot harder for her versus somebody without disabilities to stand there for hours at a time and be in trouble and not get to sit down. Um, it looked torturous. It, it bothered me and it gave me the major ick as a parent myself, but really just as a human being. 
that Christine, and I'm going to say Michael too, because he was also in the home and in charge of Natalia, for them to have her endure that kind of, I'm going to call it abuse. That's my opinion. And later she, you know, Natalia does accuse Christine specifically of downright, outright abuse. And we'll get more into that. But it just was really cringy and gross this cell phone footage that Christine would always take out her cell phone and she was constantly, constantly recording everything. And that's just gave me the major ick. And meanwhile, uh, let's not forget in season one. Now, listen, there's nothing wrong with sexting. Do what you will. It's fine. But let's just not forget. I want to call back that Christine was sending sex or, you know, sexy text messages, sexy photos to random dudes, uh, I believe while she was still married to Michael, but I could be wrong. I know they had a really crappy marriage, but I just wanted to call your attention back to that and bring and highlight uh, that because I think I want to do that because Christine is so freaking worried about her reputation. At least that's the way they paint her. And it seems like there's a lot of evidence to back that up. She wants to be a pillar of the community. She wants to, as Michael would put it in season two, she wants to be the Oprah for disabled children. And I just love that we have actual evidence of her sexy text messages that she's sending to random dudes, which I'm sure she did not want to be shown, but it was. And I rejoiced in it. Now, the oldest son, Jake, the mathematical genius, he had a hot mic moment in season one and in which he reveals that Christine did abuse Natalia. He talks about an incident where she either threw or pushed Natalia, a child with disabilities, nonetheless, down the stairs. So he's corroborating Natalia's abuse claims uh, against Christine. And I have no reason to not believe him and to not believe Natalia, that Christine was abusive. And we don't hear from Christine in season one or season two because Christine's a coward. Okay, the grossest part of the season one documentary that we all remember, all who watched it, was the pubic hair story. So at some point, Christine starts accusing Natalia of being a full-blown adult. Even though she's got missing teeth, just like a child, a dentist later confirms that she was in fact a child. She had several baby teeth when they adopted her. You can see in the photos of her and the video footage that she is in fact a small child. She's not developed. Um, later on in season two, when we see her as an adult, she is developed. Like there's so much evidence that she was a child. But Christine started accusing Natalia of being an adult and grilling her. Like, what are you hiding? You're not a kid. You're an adult. And the story goes, Christine was giving Natalia a bath and Michael allegedly, probably not, heard a scream. And, and, he, and Christine says, Michael, come in the bathroom, come in the bathroom. And she points and she shows that Natalia supposedly has pubic hair. And so that is her way of backing up her accusations that, that Natalia must be a, an adult because she's got pubic hair. Now, again, I came away from season one, not believing for a second. I didn't believe that story. I, I didn't believe, I don't believe anything Christine says, and I don't believe a lot of what Michael says, but again, they're trying, this is them continuously attempting to say that Natalia is an adult and not a child. And we learn later why, or potentially why Christine and Michael are claiming number one, that Natalia is an adult, not a child. 
Number two, that she's trying to kill them with knives and poison. Okay. We learn later potentially what's behind all of that. And I'm going to get into that. So the, the Barnett's do in fact get a judge to actually legally re-age Natalia. So when they adopted her, she was, I want to say six. They, a couple of years later or a year later, something like that, they literally get a judge to re-age her to 22 years old. And it seems like the way they did that was they had their family doctor, just like a regular primary care physician that was also a family friend, as well as like a random, like a therapist to write a letter to the judge with their thoughts saying they think she's an adult with nothing to really back that up. And later we would see actual evidence from an endocrinologist, a dentist, and a DNA test that Natalia actually was a child when Christine and Michael were accusing her of being an adult. And when they had a judge legally re-age her all the way up to 22 years old. And again, we're going to talk about the theories as to why they may have wanted to do that and actually went through with it. So after the Barnett's are able to successfully get Natalia re-aged up to 22 years old, what do they do? They dump her ass off at a random apartment on a different in a different part of town, give her some food and whatever. And they're like, bye. And they haul their asses up to Canada. They move to Canada. They leave her a person, whether she was a child or an adult, the fact remains she had severe disabilities. They drop her ass off at a freaking random ass apartment with stairs on the outside that she has a lot of trouble getting up to get to the front door, as well as stairs inside the apartment. So this is not at all an environment that's fit for somebody with disabilities. Oh, but Michael and Christine Barnett are like, fuck it. She's an adult. A judge says so. Bye. And they move their asses to Canada, seemingly to get away from the problem. They wanted to get rid of Natalia Grace and they would do anything in order to succeed at that. And they did. And then at some point in season one, Natalia ends up at a second apartment in Lafayette. I think that's how you pronounce it, Indiana. And the the neighbors don't end up really taking to Natalia. They don't really like her. I guess she would walk in and out of their apartments without permission. She would take their food. She was really unkempt. She wouldn't be bathed. Her hair wouldn't be brushed. And knowing all we know now, that makes perfect sense because she was a damn child. She was like eight years old when the Barnett's dumped her ass in an apartment to live on her own. So of course she's behaving and looking like a child. She's doesn't have boundaries. She walks inside of her neighbor's apartments. They assume she's an adult. And so they're weirded out by that. But in reality, she's a freaking kid. She's taking their food because she has no food in her apartment and she's hungry. So she takes their food. She's unkempt because kids don't know you have to bathe every day. You have to brush your teeth every day, brush your hair, take care of yourself. So it's really unfortunate that Natalia ended up at this apartment all by herself. It was an extremely dangerous environment. She has disabilities. She's a child. There's stranger danger. And this kid doesn't know not to go into a random dude's apartment, which she does at one point. And we're going to talk about that. So it is just disgusting what cowardly Christine and midlife crisis Michael did to their daughter who they adopted and they swore to protect and nurture. And they did the opposite of that. 
I hate them. Like, like I always do with these documentaries. Like I fucking hate these people. Now in season one and in season two, Michael Barnett blames Christine for everything. He does not take really even an ounce of responsibility for what happened to Natalia. He blames Christine for being an abusive, demeaning, controlling monster. And again, their oldest son, Jake, seems to corroborate this. He talks throughout season one quite a bit. And, you know, he tells the story of not getting any of the book advance money from the spark, which he was the star of that book. Like he was the main subject matter of that book. Um, he got $0. Christine took it all and gave him some bullshit excuse as to why, uh, she didn't give him any. Um, he also talks about how Christine abused Natalia in various ways. He also talks about how Christine encouraged the boys to essentially abuse Natalia as well. It's a really fucked up situation, but you can see Jake in season one. I mean, he comes off as very believable. He comes off as remorseful for participating in any of it, but I don't blame him. He was a child in an abusive home with a mother and, you know, probably Michael too, but definitely Christine, according to him and according to Natalia, who just was encouraging shitty, toxic, disgusting, abusive behavior toward Natalia. So Jake seems like a really good kid. Um, and it's really sad what him and his brothers and Natalia have had to go through at the hands of Christine and freaking Michael Barnett. And let's talk about Michael Barnett. He is so hard to watch. This guy's emotions are all over the place. He has like crazy eyes to the umph degree. Like I feel like you can see the, on top of his pupil, you can see the white above and below. Like they just, he's just not easy to watch. And he is a whiny little bitch. And I'm going to say it. And I stand by that. Uh, anybody who has seen season one and season two knows that Michael loves to whine. Like he never met a whiny moment that he didn't love. He is just, his emotions are just so, he's so animated and he gives me the severe ick. He is so fucking hard to watch. I don't understand uh, him at all. I do think that he is a better person if we're rating him and Christine against each other than Christine. However, that doesn't get him off the hook. Um, he certainly didn't protect Natalia when she was being abused by um, Christine. And Michael even says she was abused by Christine. So there's three people saying that Natalia was abused by Christine. And, you know, Michael didn't do what he should have done as a father and protect Natalia. So, and I think the world hates Michael and Christine. I mean, am I wrong? Let me know in the comments. But I have not seen one comment that anybody likes these people. Like everybody hates Christine and Michael. That's one thing I think we can all agree on. At the end of season one, the viewers are left wondering, why did the Barnetts adopt Natalia and then just freaking discard her? Why did they do this? We don't know. We, you know, on social media, we come up with theories, but we didn't really know. Well, we get a better idea of that in season two. And unfortunately, Natalia was under a gag order in season one because Michael Barnett was put on trial for all these, all this bullshit that happened to Natalia. So here comes season two and it is called Natalia Speaks. And that's because 
we finally get to hear from Natalia herself. And now she is a full grown adult and she definitely has her voice heard. And, um, oh, also, I don't know if you guys caught it, but if you saw in the very beginning of episode one of Natalia Speaks, which is season two, your girl makes an appearance. My TikTok clip uh, basically made it into episode one. Um, and how that all came about was a few months ago before season two premiered, a producer from Hot Snakes Media, I think that's what it's called, a production company, um, reached out to me. He DM'd me on TikTok and was like, hey, I want to talk to you about your clip and the Natalia Speaks season two documentary. And we basically made a deal. He paid me some money, which was cool. And they asked for permission to play a portion of my TikTok clip. And because when Natalia, the season one came out, I took to TikTok and talked about my first impressions and that, you know, they took a clip from that TikTok. And it, I mean, if you blink, you're going to miss it, but it is in season one. So I'm sorry. It is in episode one of season two of Natalia Speaks. Anyway. All right. So midlife crisis, Michael, he says that Natalia's adoption was a closed adoption. But that's a lie. And it's provably a lie. There are emails that are shown in the documentary between the Barnetts and the previous adoptive parents of Natalia because her birth mother gave her up right after she gave birth to her. Um, she was never like her parent. Then another set of parents adopted Natalia, I believe in the Ukraine, but I could be wrong. Then somehow they gave her up for adoption. And then, so now she's available for adoption. That's when the Barnetts adopt Natalia. And the previous adoptive parents, I think their last name was Chacone or Chaconi. And there are emails between the Barnetts and the Chacones about talking about Natalia and talking about this adoption. So if it was a closed adoption, that would not be taking place. So Michael's a liar and it's He's been caught in a few lies. And the Barnetts also claim that one adoption agency handled everything, which is also a lie. There were two adoption agencies um, and the other agency represented the Barnetts in the adoption of, of Natalia. But for some reason, they leave that part out. Oh, but then we find out most likely why they left that other agency out. And that's because that agency, the one that they want to erase from history, included in their documents a copy of Dr. Riggs's report of Natalia's actual age. And I believe Dr. Riggs was the endocrinologist who was able to say, you know, with his medical expertise and tests and I don't know what they did, but that Natalia was a child. Okay. He, he was like, no, she was a child. And his report of her being a child was included in that agency's, that adoption agency's bundle of, of paperwork. And that is most likely why the Barnett's want to act like that agency never existed. Because if they acknowledge that that agency existed, well, then they have to acknowledge that there is a report from a reputable doctor that Natalia is a child. She's not a 22 year old. And as far as the alleged closed adoption lie, which it was a lie, um, basically like that allows people very little room to question the Barnett story if they believe that it's a closed adoption. So I think that that's probably why the Barnett's or Michael says in this documentary um, that it was a closed adoption when in fact it really wasn't. Now, like I said, in season one, we learned that the Barnett's got a judge to legally age up Natalia to 22 years of age. 
And why 22 is so important is that apparently there was a law that the Barnetts were most likely aware of that stated that parents of maybe disabled children or children in general, they don't have any responsibilities as a parent after the age of 21. So it makes perfect sense that they would re-age her to 22. And You know, in June of 2010, that's when Dr. Riggs, the endocrinologist, said that Natalia was, in fact, between the age of 9 and 11 years old. So the Barnetts absolutely knew that a doctor was telling them, your child is a child. She's not an adult. Despite what you say about the pubic hair, despite what you say about anything, she's a freaking child. They knew that, but they kept, they still pushed forward and had her re-aged to 22. There's also a bunch of photos of Natalia and video footage from when, you know, like back in 2009, when she was like six, seven, eight years old, when the Barnetts adopted her and she was living under their care there, she has missing teeth. It looks exactly like what a second grader looks like in their school photo. She's got like one tooth that's growing in because she just lost it. She's got baby teeth. And in fact, a dentist above and beyond the other doctor, Dr. Riggs, who said, yes, she's between the age of nine and 11. There's a dentist who examines x-rays of Natalia's actual teeth. And he's like, she is a child. She has numerous baby teeth. But once again, Christine knew this because the dentist said this when when Christine and Michael were still, you know, when Natalia was still under their care. These motherfuckers knew that their adoptive daughter was a child, but they kept pushing until they got what they wanted, which was for her to be an adult so they could discard her in a random apartment on the other side of town so they could jet off to Canada and just wipe their hands clean of the problem, the problem being Natalia. Now, fast forward to the present day or 2023, sometime in 2000, oh, August of 2023, True Diagnostic, which is a company that runs various tests, they were able to show, and I believe these are DNA tests, but I'm not really sure of the scientific, you know, how it all works. But essentially, you know, Natalia in 2023 goes to this organization, she takes a test and sure enough, The test says you are about 22 years old as of 2023. So if you do the mathematics on that, that means that she was a child when Christine and Michael adopted her. But they're trying to say she's an adult. You now have dental x-rays. You have an endocrinologist. You have a true diagnostic test performed in August of 2023. You have baby teeth photos and video footage that all show this girl was a child. It, it, it is provably false that she was an adult at the time that Christine and Michael were accusing her of being an adult. Okay, so <laughs> this made me laugh. Now, in episode one of Natalia Speaks, the editors of this freaking documentary did her dirty. Okay, there's a there's a there's a portion of the documentary where there's a, when Natalia's on screen and you know she's being accused by the uh, you know she was previously accused of the by the Barnetts of being like this monster who's hiding knives and trying to kill them and she's like. Do I look like a monster to you? And immediately after Natalia says that, the editors cut to a scene of Natalia peering very eerily through this goddamn window and she looks like an exact monster. It is so fucked up. And then you see that they literally continue to show this scene where she literally, she looks like a whole monster, okay? 
it sucks that they did that to her because in every episode they start out with that footage like it before it goes into the actual story or the episode it's freaking Natalia with this like really eerie lighting and like this you know creepy house and she's like peering out the window like a monster and she's like it just, they did her dirty. And if I were Natalia, I would not be happy about it. And Natalia Grace in season two opens up by saying, basically like, I still don't know who I am or about my past, which started in Ukraine, ended up in the US. And then these adoptive parents abandoned me. And like, she doesn't know exactly who she is or what happened in her past. And she outright says that Michael and Christine are lying about everything they accused her of. The knives, the poisoning, the being mean to the boys and trying to get them run over, uh, the pubic hair, her being an adult, everything was a fucking lie. And Natalia says, yeah, she goes, it's pretty clear that Michael and Christine got all of their lies from a movie called The Orphan. And I guess there are a lot of parallels between The Orphan and Natalia's own story and the lies that the Barnetts would tell about Natalia. And so it seems like they watched The Orphan and then they went and took bits and pieces from that movie to spin lies about Natalia. I've never seen the movie, but it, apparently there it has a lot in common with all the lies that the Barnett's told about Natalia. Then the documentary introduces us to Bishop Antoine Manns, as well as Cynthia Manns, who is his wife. And they call themselves Natalia's parents. And apparently Natalia has been living with them and calling them her parents for the last 10 years. And she's just giddy about them. She sings their praises. She's like, they were the first parents to actually show me love. I love them so much. These are my parents and I want them to legally adopt me so I can stop using the Barnett name and just erase that, you know, from my past. And I immediately, mm, my hackles were up. Like I, and I will talk about how I feel about them at the end of this, but I did not fully buy that they have good intentions for Natalia. I'll just say that for now. Um, and there's a scene when, you know, I guess the, the man's Bishop Antoine and Cynthia man's they have all these other kids that they've taken under their care. And I think some of them are bi biologically theirs maybe, but others they've taken in or adopted kind of like Natalia. And there's this scene where like, it didn't need to be this cheesy, but all the kids come rushing in right after Natalia's like, I love my parents, the mans, they've showed me love and, and, you know, nurturing. And then all of a sudden these kids come in and they all hug Natalia. And Natalia's like, oh, yeah, I love you so much. And it's like, okay. The cheese factor is very real. It was just it was just a little much for me. And Michael Barnett says in season two, he's like, you know, we never met Natalia's original adoptive parents. And Natalia's like, um, you did meet them because I remember when I was being adopted by you guys at the agency, when you came to pick me up, you were talking to them right in front of me. But Michael completely denies that. And I just have to take Natalia's side on this. I mean, I just don't trust a goddamn thing that Michael Barnett says. I think he's protecting his own interests. He wants to be as far away from this Natalia dumpster fire of a situation as he can. And um, I believe Natalia. I think that he did meet the previous adoptive parents, but for some reason he's wanting to say that he didn't. And I think that's because he tried to claim it was a closed adoption. Who knows? And the circumstances surrounding Natalia's adoption are strange. And I still don't 
fully understand everything that went down or why. Um, There was another couple that's interviewed in season two, maybe even season one, but definitely season two. Um, They both have a form of dwarfism as well. They wanted to adopt Natalia when the Jacones gave her back up for adoption. And Natalia came to their home. I believe they had another daughter who Natalia loved, 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 and loved to play with this little girl. It was just like, seemed like the perfect scenario for Natalia. And these, this couple really wanted Natalia, but at some point the communication kind of broke down and they were not able to adopt Natalia, which is a damn shame because if they were able to adopt Natalia, we wouldn't be here talking about this dumpster fire of a story with the Barnett's. Like she wouldn't have been, you know, um, subjected to the Barnett's abuse and neglect if she had been taken in by this other couple, but it didn't work out, unfortunately. Now, Michael and Natalia in season two, they meet for the very first time after Michael's trial, where he was acquitted of any wrongdoing, which a lot of people were pissed off about. I was too. I really do believe, and I forgot to say earlier, in season one, Michael went on trial for charges related to Natalia, um, but he got acquitted. And I don't think that's justice. Christine, there were charges against her at some point, but they all got dropped. I think the prosecutor said they just didn't have enough evidence to move forward. And that is a real shame because Christine's ass should have to pay for what she did to this child. It is disgusting. And it just makes me so pissed off that she got to just walk free after the downright abuse and neglect, allegedly, of Natalia. But Natalia and Michael in season two, they meet up for the first time and there's this big buildup to the scene where they're going to meet for the first time. And honestly, like the the documentary, like really uh, draws this scene out there. What seemed like 10 minutes was probably two minutes. There was a scene with the the um, Bishop Antoine, uh, Natalia's father, and her right outside the door before they walk in to meet with Michael, where he's praying for her and gassing her up. And this is why we're here. And da, 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 da. I just, eh, I didn't buy it. I felt like it was inauthentic. I felt like Bishop Antoine has ulterior motives. I feel like he really just wanted to look like a hero in this moment. And I just, I didn't like it. It gave me the ick. And then I could not have rolled my eyes any harder when Bishop Antoine is telling Michael Barnett, there is no swearing in this room. And I want to say Michael said like the word hell. And that just sent Antoine over the edge and he like raises a stink about it. I'm like, listen, dude, first of all, in my book, hell is not even a bad word. I mean, come on. That's like taking, that's very rainbows and puppies like that. That is not a cuss word. Um, but I don't know, you might disagree, but it just was so fucking annoying and distracting that Bishop Antoine is like, okay, there's no cussing in here. And Michael's trying to talk to Natalia, but the Bishop is interjecting just to tell him don't cuss in here. And it's like, dude, just let them talk. Just, just shut up, just butt out of it. And he was part of the reason that this, the, all these talks broke down and bitch ass, Michael Barnett goes storming out. And basically during this meeting between Natalia and Michael Barnett, this is where she's supposed to be able to confront him, ask him a lot of questions and get answers to things that she hasn't had answers to for years. 
And Michael blames everything on Christine. He takes zero accountability. He looks at Natalia and says, he is also a victim of Christine. And he says, we had the same monster. If I could have reached through the screen at that moment, I would have. But Michael is just doing the exact wrong thing. It's like, dude, you can at least acknowledge that you are culpable from the standpoint of like, you didn't protect Natalia. Okay. Quit trying to act. We both had the same monster. Take several seats, Michael. And basically Michael says that he was controlled by Christine, the monster, and threatened that she would take the boys away from him if he didn't just go along with everything that, you know, she wanted to do with Natalia. And to a certain extent, I believe that. I do come away from these documentaries believing that Christine was the mastermind uh, and that she was controlling and that she was abusive and that she did threaten Michael. I believe all that. But two things can be true at the same time. And Michael can also at the same time that his wife is a complete biatch, he can also take responsibility for the fact that he was a father, he was an adult in that house where abuse was taking place and he did nothing to solve it. He did nothing to protect his child. And then, like I said earlier, Antoine, you know, he's like, let's not use cuss words. And Michael's like, he basically freaks out and he starts whining like the whiny little bitch that he is, like he always does. And he's like, I, tr-. he starts ripping off the microphone in his high pitched voice, which again, like, uh, bro, bring it down a few notches, add some bass. Okay. Just like use your, your chest. If you can do that while you're whining, because you were freaking killing me, Larry. He's like, I tried to get rid of that monster. I tried, I tried, I tried. And he's like, just so whiny. It's like, dude, dude, calm yourself. And it literally looked a lot like the fit that my daughter would throw, the fits that my daughter would throw when she was like in kindergarten. It it really mimicked a lot of her behavior before she matured uh, into the fourth grader that she is today. Okay. So now we kind of get into maybe some insight into why Christine and Michael Barnett adopted Natalia and then started doing whatever they could to get her the F out of their lives. Okay. Michael alleges that Christine thought that she was the one who turned her son, Jacob into a genius. Not that Jacob was born this way and, you know, uh, was just a genius. No, that she turned him into one and that, you know, she wrote that book called the spark, which is all about, um, Jacob's academic success. Um, and so Michael further claims that Christine wanted to adopt another special needs child because Jake also has special needs. And I'm not recalling exactly what that is. Um, he may or may not be on the spectrum. I don't, I don't want to say it incorrectly, but he has some educational, not an educational deficiency because the dude's a genius, but some disability. Right. And so, but he's a mathematical genius. So Michael claims that Christine wanted to basically carbon copy what she did with Jake. She wanted to adopt another special needs child, turn them into a genius as if that's a fucking thing. 
and then go and monetize off of it. So that is why she wanted to adopt Natalia, according to Michael. I think it makes a lot of sense, actually, because Christine was really monetizing, making a lot of money off of her child. And she probably thought like the potential narcy that she was, aka narcissist, that she could turn Natalia into a genius as well and then go on a worldwide book tour and make all this money, right? But that's not what happened because they adopted Natalia and she's not a genius. She's not dumb by any means. She is probably of average intelligence, uh, like me, like where she's just an average student, a good student, but an average student, right? You can't turn somebody into a fucking genius, Christine, but that's what she wanted to do. And when she saw that it wasn't going to work out, she wanted nothing to do with Natalia. And basically there are two schools of thought. Like basically she knew that she was not going to be able to monetize off of, uh, off of Natalia. And as soon as she figured that out, she did one of two things. She did two things. She tried to get Natalia locked up in prison by accusing her of being a uh, a potential murderer. The knife story, the poisoning. When that didn't work, then she goes to the story of, oh, you're an adult. And if you're an adult who's 22 years old, I'm not responsible for you. And I can drop your ass off in Lafayette and honk the horn. Bye, bitch. Like, I'm out. And that's what she did. So... That makes sense to me that as soon as Christine figured out that she could not monetize off of her adopted daughter, she was like, peace, I'm out. And she re-aged her. She had a judge re-age her and she dropped her ass off and wanted nothing to do with her. And like we said earlier, you know, everybody is painting Christine as being all about her reputation. And perhaps she adopted Natalia, you know, um, to be her next spark. So, you know, if she was able to be successful to turn her into a genius, she could write another book and make a lot of money. And we find out in season two that years after discarding Natalia, a child, a disabled child, uh, Christine is soliciting donations to end verbal abuse of children with disabilities. When she isn't the, she's the exact monster who adopted a child with disabilities and then fucking dumped her ass off on a curb. And now she's soliciting donations to help children with disabilities. The math ain't mathin'. And I'm thinking like, maybe she should just leave these disabled children alone and collect donations to bring her style into the modern century because those bangs are not it. Part of the abuse that Natalia claims that Christine inflicted on her was pepper spraying her two times that she can remember. One of which was a time when she was forcing Natalia to sit down as like a first grader and look at a physics book, a high school physics book and figure it out and like do these problems. And Natalia's like, um, I'm a first grader. I don't even know what the fuck I'm looking at. And basically Christine got pissed off that she couldn't do this high school physics work and she fucking pepper sprayed her according to Natalia. Okay, now let's go back to midlife crisis, Michael. And the reason why I've diagnosed him with a full-blown midlife crisis is because of the choice of cars this guy drives. Okay, I don't remember the exact car in season one, but I'm channeling, I want to say he had a yellow Corvette. I could be wrong, but we all know that a goddamn Corvette is the exact car that every white man who's going through a midlife crisis 
purchases by cashing out his 401k, of course. Like, I, I want to say there was some muscle car that Michael drove in season one where I was just like, midlife crisis. Now, in season two, he's got a new car. <laughs> and it reminds me of like when a dude really wants to buy a Ferrari, but he can't. So he buys a Fiero. <laughs> well, Michael's car reminds me of like, maybe he wanted to buy a Maserati, but he could only get the Mazda Miata. <laughs> and listen, no hate. If you've got a car that is, you're one, you're one up from people who don't have a car and that will get you from A to B. No shame in your game. But we're talking about Michael Barnett, okay? The dude is an asshole for what he did to Natalia. So I'm allowed to make fun of his fucking car and his midlife crisis, okay? But he dry, he pulls up to this meeting with Natalia in this little teeny tiny ragtop two-door car. I don't think it's a Mazda Miata, but it like looks like one. And when he drives off, they make sure that you hear the coffee can muffler. And if you don't know what that is, if you're from the 909 or the Inland Empire like I am, you know what a coffee can muffler is. Basically, it's like, you know, people who buy like a, let's just say like a Honda hatchback back in the 90s and they drop it down real low and they put, they, they modify the muffler and it looks like a Folgers coffee can. And it sounds, I'm not going to attempt to make the sound, but that's what Michael Barnett's car sounds like. And it is pathetic. <laughs> like, bro, it ain't the flex that you think it is. Okay. Now there's footage in season two of Michael Barnett in a, uh, in a legal deposition. And okay, this part is really gross. So trigger warning, I, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know if everybody's going to want to hear this, but he said, because again, remember Michael Barnett and Christine, when, when Natalia was un living under their roof, they were tr accusing her of being a full-blown adult and they would lie allegedly to make it seem like she was an adult. And one of the things they said, and he says this in a deposition, he says when Natalia would have her period, in order to hide it, she would eat or lick up the blood before he or Christine would see it because she was plotting as a seven-year-old uh, to hide the fact that she's actually this nefarious, diabolical, murderous adult. And so that's how she hid her period. That's disgusting. And it's also a big fat fucking lie. Not allegedly. It's a fucking lie. She didn't do that. I'm sorry. There is, you are not going to convince me or probably anyone in America uh, who's seen this doc that she did that. Okay. And you're disgusting for even alleging that she did. Who the fuck thinks of a story like that? A real piece of shit. That's who. And Natalia says in tears in the documentary that Christine forced her to insert a tampon. She's a child. And she said it was painful. And she said this, she was seven years old and her mother is like, no, you're going to insert a tampon. I, and there's a, there's a point at which Michael is retelling the poisonous coffee story where Natalia allegedly as a child poisoned her mom, Christine's coffee. When he's retelling the story, you can tell it's a fucking lie. He's like basically reciting it as if it's a rehearsed narrative that he has rehearsed over and over in his mind. And he knows how to tell it 
verbatim, kind of like a serial killer or somebody who's like been caught, but they know like they've rehearsed something ahead of time. And so in order to get their story straight, they just say it verbatim. They never veer off. And he says it in this really weird tone that's just off. So for example, like Michael says something like, and then she put the coffee down and then she put the Clorox in it and then she took a drink and then she did, 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 and then, uh, 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 uh. and he just said his tone is off. It's, it just sounds like he's lying and he's not recalling any specifics. He's not saying things like, and I remember because the light was flickering because, you know, the light bulb needed to be changed. Or I remember because the birds were chirping outside. And so that's how I knew it was morning time. You know what I mean? I'm making stuff up, but it's like, he just, it was a rehearsed story. And I'm sorry, I don't believe for a second that seven-year-old Natalia plotted to kill her mom by poisoning her fucking coffee. Don't buy it. Don't buy it. And of course, we're left to question why the F did a judge rely on letters from the Barnett's family doctor and close family friend, uh, as well as like a random therapist who said, yeah, we think she's an adult because of X, Y, and Z. But there was no like clear tests run by them to show that she was an adult. It's just like their opinion. And that worked. A judge basically based his decision on that to re-age her up to 22 years old. Meanwhile, you know, when, when the, the Barnett's first adopted Natalia, you've got the endocrinologist, the dentist and the missing teeth photos, like they're all confirming based on medical expertise and tests to verify she was a child, but they were able to age her up. And I just think that is a huge miscarriage of justice. And I would love to have a word or two with that judge to understand like, how the fuck did you make your decision based on the letters from that family doctor and that therapist? How did that happen? And ignore all the other actual evidence. Okay, before the Barnetts dumped Natalia off at the first apartment when she was like eight years old, they attempted to get her uh, committed to a psych hospital. In fact, they do. They, they drop her ass off at a psych hospital at the age of eight, where she's extremely frightened and alone. But a few days later, the psych hospital determines there's nothing wrong with this person or this child. Like you need to come pick her up. So that didn't work. And the Barnett's don't even pick her up right away. They don't really, that was like them trying to get rid of her for good. It backfired and they didn't even come to pick her up right away. But when they do, they don't take her home. They take her to a halfway house instead. And Natalia, a child calls Michael Barnett. And she's like, people are doing drugs here. Like she just saw so many things and experienced so many things that no child should ever have to experience in their lives. And Natalia talks about when she was dropped off at that apartment by the Barnett's and left, you know, abandoned. At one point she knocks on a neighbor's door and it's this creepy man who opens the door, butt ass naked, tells her to come in and he's watching a fucking porn and she's a child and he's telling her, no, it's okay. You can watch too. Luckily, Natalia says nothing happened and she was able to leave the apartment unharmed. But that is so freaking dangerous. That is for that reason, that reason alone, the Barnett's put their child in such a dangerous situation. So many things could have happened to her. She is fortunate to be alive today after they abandoned her. And yet they escaped all charges. 
neither one of them was convicted of anything after doing all these things to Natalia and putting her in situations that could have been not not so great for her. And Natalia also claims at one point, Christine comes and visits her at this apartment that she's living in on her own and gives her a triple dose of medication. And basically she passes out, she gets dizzy, she wakes up, uh, you know, not knowing where she is. She was like seven or eight years old at this time. So she's basically accusing her adoptive mother, Christine, of trying to kill her, trying to overdose her. And eventually the second apartment that Natalia moved to, she eventually gets run out of the neighborhood by the neighbors. They don't want her there. Um, and so she leaves and she wonders out loud in this documentary, why did nobody help me? There were so many adults around that saw that I looked like a child. I behaved like a child. I didn't have food at times. I didn't have electricity for a week straight in the dead of summer. So all her food went bad in her fridge and she has no food and like nobody's helping her. And she's just like, why did everybody give up on me? Why did nobody come to my rescue? And it's really, really sad uh, seeing her ask that question. And I can just imagine how she feels. Meanwhile, back to pastor or Bishop Antoine, to me, my observation was he doesn't seem connected to Natalia. It seems like she's always the one reaching out for the hug, not him. It, he doesn't see, you know, you just, I'm a parent, I'm a sister, I'm a daughter, I'm a friend. Like I know what it looks like to be connected, truly connected with somebody and they are not connected, but she's been living with them and calling them her parents for a decade. But I just don't see the connection, which again is making me question his and his wife, Cynthia's motives when they took Natalia in. And we would get some theories later, which we're going to get into. Okay. So back to when the Barnett's drop Natalia off at the first apartment when she's like eight years old. They take the boys and they drive and move up to Canada because they're probably trying to get as far away from their problem as possible. I guess on the way there, Michael Barnett talks about an extremely, like a big fight that he got into with Christine. Their marriage was shitty, but this was like the fight of all fights, according to him. And Boy, the way that Michael acted out this freaking scene for the documentary, it's like he's going out for an Oscar. The guy is so fucking bizarre. I'll do my best to impersonate him. So this is Michael in the documentary, and he's talking about the fight that he had with his wife, Christine. So he's like, we're in the car, and she, Christine, and I shouldn't have said it. I shouldn't have said it, but she was screaming at me at the top of her lungs, and I shouldn't have said it, but I said, shut up or I'll kill you. I shouldn't have said it, but I said it. And then he says, Christine starts secretly recording. She turns around to the boys and says, boys, your father's going to kill you, but I'm not going to let him. He says he's going to kill you, but I'm not going to let him. I'm going to save you. He literally like acts out the scene as if He's playing Michael Barnett and he's also playing Christine. And it's just the drama. Like I can't with the drama. It's just too much. So in 2014, soon after moving to Canada, Michael and Christine are just fighting all the time and their marriage is essentially over at that point. And Michael claims that Christine would take out her cell phone and record him at any chance she got, much like she did with Natalia. So I believe him when he says this because she did that all the time with Natalia. 
And basically Michael theorizes or the documentary, I can't remember which one, but um, they make it seem like Christine only wanted to move to Canada with her and the boys. She wanted to find a way to break up her marriage to Michael so that his ass would have to stay in the U.S. uh, to deal with the problem of Natalia. And she wanted to just take her and the boys and go to Canada and just live their happy asses up there. So Michael's like, yeah, she created this fight. And I think she called authorities on him as well and tried to accuse him of domestic violence or something like that. Um, But basically, Michael theorizes that this was Christine's way of Haha, just kidding. I didn't want you to move to Canada with us. Our marriage is over. You can stay in the U.S., take care of Natalia. I'll just live up here with the boys and leave your ass behind. I believe him for the most part that Christine probably did have that plan because she wanted to get as far away from Natalia as possible. So when Natalia was living in this apartment on her own as a child, at some point her power gets shut off. And like I said, it was in the dead of summer. Then all her food spoils in the refrigerator. So she's a child with no food. And there are text messages shown in the documentary where Michael's asking Christine, why'd you shut off the power? And Christine answers, she's 24. She can fix it on her own. She can fix the AC on her own. So basically that's just Christine going, I don't give a fuck. Not my problem. Uh, A judge said she's an adult so she can get her power turned back on. This is a whole ass child and her cold ass adoptive mother shuts off her freaking power and does nothing to help her turn it back on in the dead of summer with no food. And so at least Michael is showing that he wants to help Natalia, but again, it just was never enough. So I'm not going to give him a goddamn pass on any of this. At some point while Natalia is living in this apartment on her own, She goes to an adult learning center and that's when somebody from that center contacts authorities. And this is, I think, in 2013. Natalia would have been about anywhere from maybe 10, 11 years old. An investigation is launched at that point. And that's how Michael ends up and Christine end up facing charges Christine's charges were dropped, but Michael actually went on trial, but got acquitted. But that's really how that whole thing started, how the investigation was opened was because somebody at this adult learning center saw Natalia walk in and they're like, um, this is a child and something's going on here. Good for them. They're like the only person in this whole story that actually like did the right thing. And again, like I said earlier, as of current or as of last year, 2023, Natalia was working toward being adopted. Even though she's an adult, she wants to be legally adopted by Antoine and Cynthia Manns, and she wants to take on their last name and get rid of the Barnett last name. So there's talk of Natalia potentially bringing a civil lawsuit against Christine and or Michael Barnett, which I think is a wonderful idea. It's a legal avenue that she absolutely should take because the criminal suit didn't go forward. One of them did, but he got acquitted. But this is just like, listen, this is this is a great legal avenue for her to get some answers and to potentially hold them accountable in a monetary way. Hit them where it hurts. Look, Christine likes to monetize her fucking kids. Well, guess what? Maybe maybe Natalia can make some money off of the bullshit and the and the abuse and the just everything that she, Christine and Michael put her through. So I would love to see that happen. And I would love 
for to hear their depositions. I would love to hear their testimony. I would love to hear Christine's cowardly ass, you know, try to give some answers as to why she did all of this, because thus far we haven't heard from her. And a civil lawsuit would force her to talk about this. And I would just, I would pay to have a front row seat to that. Okay. So now this is round two because Michael stormed out of the first meeting with Natalia and I tried and, you know, um, because he wasn't allowed to cuss in there. I don't know. He probably wanted any excuse to bail from that meeting because he's, his ass is being held to the fire, but now we're round two. Okay. Michael and Natalia meet up again, but this time it's sans uh, Bishop Antoine and Michael's defense attorney who were basically squabbling during the first meeting, which is partially what caused it all to break down and, and, end, you know, too soon. So they meet up again and basically like, again, the documentary is drawing out every scene. I got a little frustrated at this point and I was thinking like this documentary really could have been four episodes instead of six, but they drew it out to six and I get it because the more episodes, the more money, but it, there were a lot of scenes that didn't need to be there. And this was one of them, the kind of the lead up to the meeting between uh, Natalia and Michael. They just like dramatize it unnecessarily. Midlife crisis Michael pulls up with his baseball cap backward, blaring the music in his Mazda Miata or whatever it is with the top. Oh, but this time the top down, the top is down. Okay. This time he's rolling top down music blasting. It is very likely Nickelback or Kiss that's playing. I mean, don't quote me on that, but if I were to put money on it, it was Nickelback or Kiss for sure. And he comes walking in and he also has lamb chopped sideburns, which listen, Michael, if you're handing out apologies to Natalia, which you should, you should also give an apology to all of America or anybody who fucking watched this documentary because my eyes were offended by your lamb chop sideburns. He is just a whole mess. And yeah, no, Michael. It's a no. It's a no on the fucking sideburns, okay? So in round two of their meeting, Natalia asks Michael, whose idea was it to re-age me to 22? And Michael immediately gets uncomfortable and he looks around, he's looking at production and the cameraman and he's like, gets all pissed off. And he's like, um, I told these guys, we're not going to get into that. I told these guys. So basically he's like, nope, not going to talk about it. And that sucks because dude, this is your opportunity to come clean and to apologize and to give Natalia the answers that she needs. But you're not even willing to talk about the biggest issue, not the biggest issue, but like the issue of the fact that she was re-aged to 22. You should absolutely be answering Natalia as to why the fuck that went down. Oh, but he's just like off limits. So he's not going to talk about that. So they move on. And during the meeting, Michael says that Christine was evil and that she... <laughs> and. <laughs> And that she wanted to be the Oprah for autistic children. <laughs> and first off, I don't know anybody who wants to be Oprah right now because I think she's sort of kind of going through a little cancellation uh, from the whole Hawaii thing and some other shit. But I don't know. I don't believe in cancel culture, but it is kind of funny. Um, maybe back in the day you wanted to be Oprah, but also Christine, you're no Oprah. Like you're not even close. And then 
And then when Michael said that, that Christine wanted to be the Oprah for autistic children, um, I recalled previously in season two, the season two documentary that there was a text message or a phone call. I think it was a text message where they're Michael Barnett and Christine are talking about Natalia, maybe after she was in the psych ward. And uh, Christine asks Michael through text very eagerly, like, oh, oh, did they find autism? Like she's almost asking him as if she hopes that a medical professional found that Natalia's autistic. And actually that makes sense to me because if Michael's telling the truth about Christine's plan to make her into a genius and then profit off of her, then she would want her to have autism so that she could be like, look, I took an autistic child and I made them into a genius. Now I wrote this book and now a millionaire. So that just, I recalled that, that almost like she was asking like, Ooh, Ooh, did they find autism? Tell me, tell me, you know, like she was excited, but no, I don't think Natalia's ever been diagnosed with autism. Like, I don't think that's even close to the truth, but Christine wanted it to be true. And during the meeting, Michael claims he didn't stop the abuse because you know, he'd never see his boys again. He claims that Christine was like, listen, if you don't just fall in line, if you don't just fall in line, I'm going to take these fucking kids from you. And so that's why he said that was his excuse for not saving Natalia from Christine's abuse. And again, bullshit. You're a parent. That is your job. If you are the mailman, you need to deliver mail. If you are a podcaster, you need to deliver podcast episodes. If you are a parent, you need to save your children from dangerous situations. If they are being abused in the home, you are to remove them from the home. And he didn't do that. So how he escaped charges, uh, I just think it's bullshit. And there were claims. Somebody said that Natalia was sexually inappropriate at the mental hospital or the psych ward that Michael and Christine tried to get her to get you know, locked up out or whatever they wanted. But Natalia's like, no, I do not remember behaving that way at all. She's like, but I do remember that Christine tried to set me up with an older man. She put makeup on me as a child and sent pictures to a man, basically trying to set me up with him. Luckily, the man was like, yeah, no, I'm good on that. Um, But basically she's claiming that Christine tried to make her look like an adult and sent pictures, provocative pictures to a man to try and set them up. It's just completely disgusting. And look, if there was any time when Natalia, you know, as a child was acting sexually inappropriate toward anybody, I'm not saying she did. And she certainly doesn't recall that, you know, she was never taught any better. She, and also we don't know what's in her past. And, um, you know, we don't know if she was sexually abused, for example. And if she was, that is learned behavior. So maybe she went and acted that out, but that is not her fault. She cannot be held responsible for that as a child. And Michael Barnett was caught in another lie in this documentary. He says he only learned about the pepper spray incident about a year ago. But that's a lie because in season one, he told that team that Christine told him about the pepper spray incident back when Natalia was living with them. So he's known for years that his wife, ex-wife, used to pepper spray their adoptive child 
And he's trying to say in season two that, oh yeah, I heard about that a year ago. So again, he's been caught in more than one lie. So I am not taking everything he says as truth. I'm taking everything with a grain of salt that he's going to protect Michael first. And Michael says he hasn't seen his youngest sons, Wesley and Ethan, since January of 2014. He does, however, have a relationship with Jake. Uh, he didn't for a while, and he blames all that on Christine, but he hasn't seen his young sons since 2014. And I just wonder, has he tried through the court system to be able to see his children? What is going on there? What is the reason that Christine is able to hold his children, allegedly, from Michael. I would like to know more about that. Natalia ends up forgiving Michael. She says, I forgive you. And he's like, you shouldn't. And she's like, well, I do. And he's like, <laughs> okay. And she, you know, forgiveness is a very powerful thing. And, you know, she wants this whole thing, you know, this whole thing to be over. And it does seem like Natalia holds Christine a lot more responsible for all of this than Michael. And maybe that's rightfully so. Um, it does seem like Christine kind of was behind everything, mostly everything. And Michael, yes, he should have done a lot more. So I hold him accountable for that. But Natalia, I believe her. I believe everything she says, really. And I have no reason to not believe that she was horribly abused by Christine. Okay. And then <laughs> the grunt that Michael lets out when he gets back into his Mazda Miata. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> I keep calling it a Mazda Miata. I don't know what it is. I, somebody tell me what this car is. Anyway, he he's like, you know, he's, he's getting a little older, a little out of shape or whatever with his hat backward. You know, he's getting into his rag top with the top down and he holds on for dear life. And he's like, Ugh. <laughs> and then he like plops down into the seat and his music imme immediately starts blasting. And again, it's probably Nickelback or Kiss. Uh, I would put money on that. And he drives away with his coffee can muffler. Yeah. You know, I just, I, he, he's in a full blown midlife crisis, you guys. And Cynthia, toward the end of this documentary, Cynthia and Antoine Manns do end up legally adopting Natalia. And Natalia is just giddy. She can't stop smiling and giggling. She's so happy. And I'm really happy for her. I just can't help but think like, I just don't know about the mans. I just don't know about them. My gut tells me something's up, but Natalia's happy. And it says that Natalia's planning to get her age legally changed to her proper age, her biological age at some point, And she wants to go back to school. Now, six months after Natalia's adoption by the man's family, the producers get a shocking phone call. And basically, we hear Antoine on the other end of the line. It's recorded. And he's saying, something ain't right with this child. I think she's, you know, I think she's tweaking. And then he says something like, I feel like she's the enemy of the house. And he's allegedly talking about Natalia, who he just adopted six months earlier. So like, what happened between then and now? You're calling her the enemy of the household and that she's tweaking. And then Cynthia, Natalia's new adoptive mother, says something like, Natalia is stabbing her family in the back over a complete lie. 
And they kind of leave us hanging. This is a huge cliffhanger. We don't know what prompted this phone call, what prompted the change of heart, why they're turning on Natalia, or at least that's what it seems like. And, but I went and looked it up because of course I had to Google like what's going on now as of January of 2024. I looked it up. And basically, Cynthia said in a recent article, an article that was published this month, January 2024, and she essentially says they're fine, them and Natalia. She's like, no, Natalia doesn't live with us anymore, but we're all fine. She says something like we're absolutely perfect. So I don't know what is going on, but according to Cynthia Manns, they are fine with Natalia. So who knows what's going on there? Now, I'm on TikTok a lot, and there were some theories floating around TikTok about this. Basically, people are theorizing that there was a dispute over money, and that would kind of make sense because the timing of them sort of turning on Natalia is timed right when Natalia did this documentary. And I got to assume that Natalia made some money from this documentary. And in fact, somebody on TikTok said maybe Natalia was paid $100,000 to be part of this season two documentary. I have not verified that, but if that is true, maybe the man's family are pissed off because they didn't get any money. And to go a step further, if I think about all the children they've taken in, I would imagine, and again, I'm just guessing that some of their disability checks would be reassigned to the man's family if they bring all these kids in, including Natalia for 10 years. So maybe they're living off of these kids. Maybe their motivation for bringing these kids into their families who aren't their bio children uh, is for money. And then it would, if, if that is true, and this is just a theory, then it would make sense that they might fall out with Natalia over this documentary because Natalia, the star of it, made money and they didn't. And maybe they're just some greedy motherfuckers. I don't know. But... I'll have to dig further and maybe there'll be a season three because they did leave us on this cliffhanger. So maybe there's more to more to come. Maybe the civil suit is going to be part of season three. I hope so, because I do want to find out more and I want to hear from coward Christine. But I don't know what's going on with the man's family. I'm just saying from my own personal opinion, they gave me the ick. I don't trust them. I know that Natalia seems happy with them, but mm, I don't know. Okay, and as far as my final thoughts on this dumpster fire of a scenario documentary. I hate midlife crisis, Michael and cowardly Christine. Obviously they didn't do what was right for Natalia. They inflicted nothing but additional trauma on her and have not taken accountability or full accountability. And it just really pisses me off. I mean, this man never met a midlife crisis. He didn't love because he is 100. You guys have to tell, like, he, is he going through a midlife crisis? Is that what's behind the lamb chop sideburns? The, uh, the kiss and the nickelback music, the midlife crisis collection of cars. Like I just can't, I, he's a dork. And I think Christine's a full blown coward for not speaking her side. And it would make sense that she doesn't want to talk because her ass is a piece of shit and she's an abuser allegedly. And of course she wants to say nothing because she's an asshole. And um, what could she say? Like I said, I don't trust Antoine and Cynthia Manns. I could be totally wrong. I've never met them. I don't really know much about them, but first impression, seeing them in the documentary, I just don't, I, I, I think they have ulterior motives, but I could be wrong. I absolutely believe Natalia that she was a child when she was adopted and she was abused by the Barnett's. 
And that is corroborated. Natalia says it. Michael Barnett says it, which I don't always believe everything he says, but, um, and the oldest son, Jake says it. And I do believe Jake and I do believe Natalia and all the evidence shows evidence, not just like theories or stupid opinions. Evidence shows Natalia was a child. And at the very least the Barnett's dumped, let's just pretend she was an adult. Okay. They dumped a disabled person off at an apartment that was not at all conducive to someone with a disability to live in it. Okay. They didn't give a fuck about her. There were several sets of stairs. It wasn't stocked with food at all times. The electricity got shut off and they didn't do damn thing. They didn't do a damn thing about it. So fuck them. But at the very worst, Natalia was a child and the evidence shows that she was a child. She was a disabled child. And they dumped her in an apartment to live on her own. I have a 10-year-old daughter. She's my youngest child. I cannot imagine at this age, even in fourth grade, dumping her off in an apartment to fend for herself. That is disgusting. It's dangerous. It's neglect. It's abuse, in my opinion. I cannot imagine. Natalia has been through a lot. Okay, you guys, I want to hear your thoughts about this documentary, season one, season two. Do you believe Natalia? What do you think about Bishop Antoine and Cynthia Manns? What do you think about midlife crisis, Michael and cowardly Christine? What what do you think about all this? Like, I need to know if your thoughts and theories align at all with mine, or am I just kind of on my own island with some of this? So as I said, the serial streamers, we meet virtually in my comments. So if you want to share your thoughts, your theories, your hot takes, your judgments, whatever it is, um, with all of us, with the community of serial streamers, all you have to do is follow me on Instagram, TikTok, or subscribe to my YouTube channel. All of those are at Jamie on air. And I will see you in the comments where we all talk about these documentaries that we're binging together. Make sure you hit subscribe right now to my YouTube channel so you don't miss the next one because I am going to cover another wild documentary and I know you're going to want to be a part of it. And remember, you guys, Colts are stupid, Ted Bundy's ugly, scammers suck at life, and binging true crime documentaries is self-care. And don't let anybody tell you different. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.